In our culture especially, we are surrounded by a form of faith that is unrecognizably different from what is laid out for us in the Scriptures. Welcome to Open the Bible with Pastor Colin Smith. And Colin, sounds like we need to back up just a little bit and talk about what we just heard. What is this form of faith that we're surrounded by that's so different than what we find in the Scripture? Oh, well, I think that very commonly nowadays, the understanding of faith is that it's a kind of assent to certain beliefs, a sort of signing off on certain doctrines. Oh, yes, I believe. But in the New Testament, faith is the bond of a living union with Jesus Christ that in its very nature involves a turning to him and a following after him. That's an entirely different thing. I mean, even the devils are in the position of of knowing that there's a God and that Jesus rose from the dead. They believe that. The thing is that they have not submitted to Jesus Christ as Lord. So we've got to get to what the Bible means by faith. There's no such thing as a faith that doesn't change you. And the fact that so often people have the idea that you can just have a faith that leaves you the same indicates that we've lost touch with the reality of what the Bible means by faith. All right, so when the Bible says we need to have this living faith, where we're talking about the fact that we just don't believe in a God, believe that Jesus existed, we're actually making him the Lord of our life. Yeah, that's right. And the primary phrase that the New Testament has for this is to be in Christ. That's what faith does. It puts you in Christ, or to put it another way, puts Christ in you by the Holy Spirit. That's life-changing in its very nature, and uh, that's what we're going to get after today. Well, we're looking at that from Matthew chapter 5, so I hope you'll join us there as we begin a message, Blessed Are Those Who Mourn. Here is Pastor Colin. Everywhere through this series, we're going to discover paths into the enjoyment of God, the riches of His blessing. And the Son of God here is saying to us, let me speak to you about this. And we began last time in verse 3, where uh, Jesus makes this astonishing statement. Where does blessing begin? And he says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. We saw last time that Christians are people who know their own poverty. They look to Jesus for what they do not have, and they know that in him they have everything that they need. Aren't you glad that the first beatitude is blessed are the poor in spirit? I can get there. I am there. I I know what it is to be there. I'm so thankful that the first beatitude is not, blessed are the pure in heart. If blessing begins with being pure in heart, that's not the place where we can begin. But if blessing begins in knowing that I do not have what it takes when it comes before God, that's a place where I can get on the first ring, as we've been using that analogy of swinging from one ring to another through these wonderful truths that Jesus gives to us here. Spurgeon has a different analogy from the rings, but I think it's very helpful. He says this, if a ladder is to be useful, its first rung must be near the ground. Isn't that good? What's the point in a ladder that the first rung's above your head? You can't get on it. So thank God that the Beatitudes do not begin with blessed are the pure in heart, because that's not us. That's where we want to be, but that's not where we begin. And it begins here, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed is the person who really comes to the place of saying, however praised I am in my business or in my family or in my sports team, I don't have what it takes when it comes to standing before God. 
And so we saw last time that Jesus begins here that the law will bring you to a place that is called poor in spirit. That's why even the law is a good gift of God, because it gets us on the first ring. It shows us how much we need Jesus Christ. The law will bring you to a place that is called poor in spirit, and Jesus Christ will meet you there. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now, that's where we've begun. Today, we move then to the second beatitude that you'll see there in verse 4. We have these words, blessed, Jesus still speaking about blessing, blessed are, and it's astonishing, those who mourn. How do you put these two together? For they shall be comforted. Two things for us here today, then. We're going to look at the morning that is blessed, and then we're going to look much more briefly at the blessing on those who mourn. Firstly, then, the morning that is blessed. Blessed are those who mourn. A very important question, what is the morning that is blessed? Because clearly not all mourning is blessed. There are three kinds of mourning and it is very important to distinguish between them. Number one, there's what we would call natural mourning, which is probably the first to come to our minds. That is, of course, grieving for someone you have lost. God has given you a wonderful gift in a person who has been very dear to you, and that gift has been taken away. And so the natural, proper response to that loss is to mourn. Those who have been bereaved in the congregation, all of you know what this is, and some of you are walking this journey right now. Jesus knows this journey. He wept at the graveside of a dear friend. Jesus wept. That's natural mourning. Now, the presence of Jesus and the comfort of Jesus in the journey that a believer takes through the pains of bereavement is a very special and a treasured gift from God. But it is not what Jesus is speaking about here. And here's why I say that. In the Beatitudes, Jesus is speaking about qualities that we should pursue Qualities that we should go after. Qualities that we should get as much of in our lives as we possibly can. Jesus is speaking about conditions of heart and life that are so laden with blessing that no person can ever get too much of them. That is true of all seven Beatitudes going after purity, going after being merciful, going after meekness, going after hunger and thirst for righteousness. You can never get too much of these things. And then an eighth beatitude is added, which is simply the consequence of going after this kind of life. And that is, of course, that the world will persecute you as a result of it. But but all of the Beatitudes, then, are speaking to us of qualities that we are to pursue. Now, nobody would say that about natural mourning. Nobody who is going through the sorrow of bereavement would say, I want to go after as much of this as I can possibly get. Nobody would say that. So I'm saying to you, therefore, that as treasured as it is that Christ walks with the believer in the valleys of bereavement, and he does... 
that nevertheless is not what Jesus is speaking about here. There's a second and very different kind of uh, mourning, and and again, it's a mourning that uh, Jesus is not speaking about here, and that I'm going to describe as sinful mourning. And sinful mourning is simply a pining after something that God has not given. And that's very different from natural mourning. It's natural for us to grieve what God has taken away. The Lord gave, the Lord has taken away. There's a grief that is natural to that. But sinful mourning is something very different. It is a pining after something that God never intended you to have. Paul speaks about this in 2 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse 10. He speaks about a worldly sorrow that leads to death. There's a kind of sorrowing that's killing, a kind of grieving that causes death inside. And what is this sinful mourning? It is to pine after what God never intended you to have. Uh, There's an example of that, many examples in the Bible, but just to take one, we're told in uh, the book of Kings in chapter 21, the story of King Ahab. God gave him very much. God gave him a palace. God gave him a kingdom, despite the fact that he was a wretched king. But at the, beyond the boundaries of the palace, there was an adjoining little field that was a vineyard. It belonged to a man, a poor man, by the name of Naboth. And although the king had all of his palace, he set his eye on this little vineyard that he rather liked. And then he set his heart on the little vineyard. And it began to get into him. He, he looked at what God had given his neighbor. And he began to use the Bible's word to covet. In fact, it's interesting the way the Bible describes it in Kings and chapter 21. The Bible says that Ahab became vexed. He became sullen. These are the words the Bible uses. I, I, we might use another word today. We might use the word pouting. Here's the king, and he's pouting round the palace, right? And why is he pouting? Because his mind is full of what God has given to someone else, but hasn't given to him. And this pining after what God did not intend him to have eventually consumes him. It leads to the murder of, of Naboth and brings the very opposite of blessing into the life of Ahab. So there is a kind of sinful mourning, becoming obsessed with what God didn't give you. And that is always a killer. It leads to death, the Bible says, and obviously by definition, therefore, sinful mourning is not what Jesus is speaking about here, because that kind of mourning is never, never, never blessed. So he's not talking about natural mourning because he's talking about something we should go after, and nobody would say that about bereavement. Uh, He's not talking about sinful mourning because he's talking about something that is blessed and sinful mourning, a pining after what God never intended you to have. It brings death. It, It certainly does not bring life or blessing. So now we're in a position to be very clear about what Jesus is speaking about, spiritual mourning, which is sorrow over our sins against God. That's what he's speaking about here. You're listening to Open the Bible with Pastor Colin Smith and a message called Blessed Are Those Who Mourn, part of our series, Momentum. 
how to make progress in the Christian life. You know, maybe you are a new believer and you're wondering, how do I get started growing in my faith? Or maybe you know a new believer and you've talked about being their discipler, but you're, you're not really sure what to do. How would you begin to disciple a new believer? Well, we would love to send you Pastor Cullen's book, Momentum, Pursuing God's Blessing Through the Beatitudes. It's a great book that's based on the current sermon series that we're listening to on the radio, and it's a, a tool that you can use in counseling, mentoring, or discipling others. You can give a gift of support, and we're going to say thank you by sending you a copy of this book. Find out more or give right now at openthebible.org or call us at 1-877-OPEN-365. Again, the website is openthebible.org. Back to the message. Here's Pastor Colin. Now we're in a position to be very clear about what Jesus is speaking about, spiritual mourning, which is sorrow over our sins against God. That's what he's speaking about here. And he says, this is blessed. Blessing is found here. Joy will be found in your life here. Inasmuch as you know this, you are blessed. You cannot get too much of this, says Jesus. This is the godly sorrow that Paul speaks about in 2 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse 10 and is blessed because it produces the repentance that leads to life. And that is what Jesus is speaking about here. Now, friends, I want to suggest to you today, now that we know what Jesus is speaking about, that these words are of huge, incalculable importance to the church of Jesus Christ today. And I say it for this reason, that there are many, many people who would assume themselves to be Christians and would identify themselves as Christians, who know very little of the joy and the life of Jesus Christ, and one reason is that they have experienced very, very little of the spiritual mourning that Jesus speaks about here. And I think that that barrenness and that loss has been multiplied in our time because in our culture especially, we are surrounded by a form of faith that is unrecognizably different from what is laid out for us in the Scriptures. And I want to take a moment to try and show you that as clearly as I can. We rejoice in the wonderful truth that as believers, we are justified by faith, and in that we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. That's the wonderful and glorious statement of Romans of chapter 5 and verse 1. But why is it that a believer is justified by faith? What is it about faith, as opposed to works or anything else, that brings a person into the place of being in a right relationship with God? And the answer is simply this that in the Bible, a believer is justified by faith because faith unites a person to Jesus Christ. Faith is the bond of a living union with Jesus Christ, with Jesus Christ who justifies and sanctifies and glorifies believers through the power of his shed blood applied to them personally by the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. And all of that is contained in 
the wonderful, simple statement that we are justified by faith. Why am I justified by faith? Because faith is the bond of a living union with, with Jesus Christ, who justifies, sanctifies, and glorifies the believer through the application of the power of his shed blood by the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit in that person's life. Now, that's the very core of what we believe, the truth on which we stand in the Bible. But friends, here is what has happened widely over the last half century and more in our culture. Two things. One, the faith that unites a person to Jesus Christ who justifies, sanctifies, and glorifies, that faith that unites a person to Jesus Christ has been reduced to or replaced by mere belief and assent to certain truths. Now, friends, simply believing certain things will not change you. Jesus Christ will change you. Faith justifies because it is the bond of a living union with Jesus Christ who justifies and sanctifies and glorifies. It's Jesus Christ who changes you. It's the presence of Christ in a person's life that is life-changing, not simply believing certain things. Faith is the bond of a living union with Jesus Christ, and when Jesus Christ enters the life, he comes to forgive you, and he comes to make you holy. He accepts you as you are. That's grace. But he never leaves you as you are, and that's grace too. So the replacement of a faith that unites people to Jesus Christ in the bond of a living and personal union with this sort of notional assent to certain truths on which I can sign off leads to thousands of people who, quote, accept Christ, but never come to a place of bowing to his lordship over their lives and think they are Christians without ever experiencing the blessing of those who are in Christ. That is a form of faith so far from the biblical reality and so far from it in the reality of experience as to be utterly unrecognizable. It is a form of faith that leaves a person essentially unchanged. And when the world looks at this, it despises it and it is right to do so because this is nothing that is anywhere near to a recognizable form of biblical faith. Second massive emaciation and visceration that has taken place is that the repentance that in the Bible involves a change of direction has been reduced to simply admitting that I am a sinner and saying a prayer. There's all the difference in the world between these two things. Listen to the words of Scripture and try to take in just for a moment with me how far this sort of popularized, emaciated posing under the banner of Christianity really is in comparison with true biblical faith. Let me give you just two simple statements, well-known ones from the Bible, one from the Old Testament, one from the New, and see how far this is from the sort of thing that is widely repeated around us in many churches today. This is Isaiah 55. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. What does that mean? Here's what Isaiah says. Let the wicked forsake his way. Let the wicked forsake his way. 
Leave it. Turn. And the unrighteous man, his thoughts. So there is a turning from wicked ways, leaving, forsaking. There is a turning from wicked thoughts. There's something decisive here. There's change here. Let him return to the Lord that he may have compassion on him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. So what is God saying here? He's saying to the wicked, you must forsake your way. Forsake it. Leave it. Turn. That's a world difference from admit that you're a sinner. Hugely different. Very easy to admit that I'm a sinner and carry on sinning. And God is calling me to something different here. He's calling me to repentance, which is much more than admitting that I'm a sinner. Here's a New Testament uh, version of, of the same thing. It's from 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 19. And listen to what uh, is said here. God's foundation stands firm bearing the seal. So, Paul is talking about something foundational, something that's at the very core of everything in relation to Christianity. Here's God's foundation, and it bears this seal, and it's in two parts. Here's number one. The Lord knows who are His. And secondly, how do we know who are His? Well, here's the mark of a person who is His. Let everyone who names the name of the Lord depart from iniquity. Depart from iniquity. In other words, what is being said here is this is absolutely foundational to what it means to be a Christian. If you are going to name the name of the Lord, here's what it means for you. You've got to depart from iniquity. Not simply admit that you're a sinner, not simply say a prayer. If there is to be the bond of a living union between you and Jesus Christ, then the faith that will be the bond of that living union will also be the wellspring of repentance, and it begins from day one. Really a helpful look at repentance right there. Repentance isn't just being sorry for our sin, but it's a turn from sin to depart from iniquity. Our message is called, Blessed Are Those Who Mourn. And when I think of mourning, blessed is not what comes to mind. I hope you'll join us next time as we look at blessings on those who mourn and the distinguishing marks of spiritual mourning. Our message, Blessed Are Those Who Mourn, is part of our series called Momentum, How to Make Progress in the Christian Life. And if you ever miss a broadcast in the series, you can come and you can listen online. You can stream the program or download an MP3 for free. Our website is openthebible.org. Well, Open the Bible is a listener-supported program, but we want to send you a copy of Pastor Cullen's book, Momentum, Pursuing God's Blessing Through the Beatitudes. It's based on the series that we're listening to on the radio right now. But Colin, who is this book actually written for? Oh, well, this would be a book for everybody, because who doesn't want to be happy? Right. Um, Jesus speaks about how to be blessed, how to have a happy life, how to be contented and how to find joy. I mean, who doesn't want that? But, you know, particularly in the Beatitudes that Jesus gives to us, he speaks to us about how we can find peace and joy, especially when we're struggling with sins that really bog us down. Hmm. And, you know, if you're struggling with something that you just feel you can't get over, well, the Beatitudes are for you because Jesus speaks here about how you can actually make progress in your Christian life.
And, you know, for anyone, and this should be true of every Christian, for anyone who wants to grow in holiness, to be more like the Lord Jesus and to advance in the Christian life, the Beatitudes actually give us the way in which we can grow as Christian believers. That, to me, was the most exciting discovery about the Beatitudes when I studied them, and it's been a great blessing to me. It's a joy to share it in the radio program, and I'm so glad we have the opportunity of sharing it through the book. Well, we would love to send you a copy of the book, Momentum, Pursuing God's Blessing Through the Beatitudes, as you give a financial gift of any amount this month. You can find out more or give online when you come to openthebible.org or call us at 1-877-673-6365. That's 1-877-OPEN-365. Or again, our website is openthebible.org. For Pastor Colin Smith, I'm Steve Hiller. Thanks for listening, and I hope you'll join us next time. This program is a listener-supported production of Open the Bible. How do you move forward in the Christian life? Well, you never move forward without spiritual mourning. Find out what that is next time on Open the Bible.